Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop. I've been in different leadership positions over the last 10 years. And the most fulfilling part of what I do is when I help other women within the workplace get promoted, which is why I started coaching in 2019 and helping women who weren't in the same company as me. If you wanna grow within your current role, be seen as a leader amongst your team and eventually get promoted into a larger role, this podcast is for you. Sometimes along the way, women realize that the growth might not happen within their current organization and change can be scary. So I also help women in the transition to finding a great fit in a new role with a new company. And many of my clients end up getting a 20K salary raise along with that transition. And that can be you. After all, the world needs more female leaders and I'm here to create them. I focus on confidence, self-awareness, communication, growth mindset, networking, and more. If you're ready to believe in yourself and take that action, you're in the right place. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Next Level Leaders. I know that you are going to thoroughly enjoy my guest today, Mary McGuire, as we talk about empowering your success as a female leader. A little bit about Mary. Mary McGuire is the creator of the Professional Women Playbook, the Female Leaders Accelerator, and author of The Female Edge and Coming Home to You. Her mission is to help women find their authentic success on their own terms. Despite leaving school with no qualifications and with few prospects, she has built an impressive international career and lifestyle and is an expert in the field of transformation and female advancement. Using her skills and expertise gained through 20 years of working with global corporations and high-performing executives, she has distilled her learning into easily applied techniques and processes that she wants to share. She firmly believes that women can find authentic success without compromising their values or ideals. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. All right, everyone. I am happy to be bringing on my guest today, Mary. Mary, thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, thank you, Nicola. I'm very excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, me too. And thank goodness for Zoom for us to be connecting. She's clear across the world in a totally different area. So I am excited. It's during the day for me and the evening for her, but you know, we're able to connect. And I absolutely love that about the podcast community and, and the ability for this, you know, this day and age of connecting face-to-face, but via Zoom. So yeah, I'm looking forward to be chatting. Uh, how Mary and I met, I am a member of different podcast communities online and in Facebook, and there are different options for people to reach out to find guests or for people to want to be a guest on other podcasts, which is so great. I love how we can all share each other. And that is how I found Mary and was so grateful after I found out the book she wrote. I actually had seen it on Amazon and got a copy of that. So really looking forward to diving deeper into your book and and how that all connects. So Mary, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share anything personally or professionally with our listeners today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, well, as you've already said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm across the pond from you, as I say. So I'm <laughs> over in England. 
and um, I live in Oxfordshire, so it's very much the middle part of England, but in a, in a country area, which is very nice. Our weather here, because it's December, is cold, like your weather. Mm-hmm. And I have been a management consultant for about 20 years. So I tend to go into global organisations and solve their big problems for them when they're trying to work out direction and where they're going. But more recently, I focus more on how I can help women in business. Not only because I recognise the struggle I had as a woman to find my success in, in business, but also as I was working with lots of these companies, I was seeing women were struggling to get acknowledged for the work they're doing, being given the opportunities, getting promoted. They weren't, they weren't accelerating as fast as their male counterparts. And that was something I felt passionate that I could do something about. So that's what I focus on a lot these days. And that's obviously what I want to talk to you about today. I live here in um, Oxfordshire with my partner, Joy, um, and of a woman. We've been together for 33 years. And yet there's just us, no kids, no pets, as much as I'd love pets, no kids. That is just us two. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Well, I am, like I said, super excited about our conversation today. I love that we are both kind of in that same same idea and environment of helping women get that acknowledgement in the workplace, helping them to stand out. It is so different. I actually had someone reach out on Facebook after I had released a career journal that is specifically for women. I had someone reach out who was a female and she said, you know, why, why is this just for women? Why can't men purchase it? And I said, of course a man could purchase it. It's very feminine. And, you know, if, if someone wanted it, great. I think it, all of the things that we teach could be helpful for men as well, but it's different for women in the fact of trying to stand out in the workplace, raising their hand for different projects and, and things like that. So it was very interesting. And I was so glad that she asked that, but I thought it was also very interesting that even some women don't always understand what that kind of different struggle is for, for us in that kind of corporate working environment. I was going to echo that in terms of, you know, a lot of the advice and a lot of coaching that I do, a lot of what I cover in the book, The Female Edge, it, it is equally um, applicable to men and women, the skills, the exercises, the processes. However, what we, and I know we're going to get into this, is what we see is women just aren't treated as equally as men, particularly in the corporate and the business world. So Mm -hmm. it's how do we lean in and give them a bit more support, as opposed to saying it's not relevant for men. I don't think that's the dialogue that either of us have. It's just that we know that women need that extra support and help and acknowledgement to help them through the the, uh, journey. Agreed, 100%. So one of the first questions I have for you, uh, especially for women understanding what drives them into these different roles, sometimes we are very reactive. Oh, maybe I should go for this next promotion because it's available or there should be this natural growth. We kind of hold ourselves to these weird standards that, you know, maybe, maybe you're completely happy with where you're at, or maybe you do want growth. Uh, So how can someone understand what drives them internally for these different roles that might be coming available? Yeah. Fantastic question. And I'd start with saying that we we understand our internal drivers, you know, for success, for for fulfillment, for working with our inner passion. When we take some time to think about what it is that actually is driving us. 
So almost always when we're trying to work out what's the internal thing that's going on, we need a point of reflection. We need to sit down and maybe think about what has been going on, what have I been doing, what have I been going after or responding to, or even what feedback have I been hearing from people and what does that tell me about myself? But very often, and you know, I think that our situation with this pandemic has made that even more so. Is we we live these very busy lives. There's lots going on. You know, if we're working mothers, we've got children to look after, and we're mm-hmm. running around in different places. And it's very hard to actually find the time to reflect and look at what's going on. But it is essential to know where we're going. So a metaphor I use to help women think about this is your career is a journey. You know, you you start off with your first paid role, maybe an internship or something, and you start to you start to prove your skills and your abilities as you as you go through work, and then gradually more opportunities come from you come to you, or you apply for other jobs and go into different industries or different types of roles. Mm-hmm. So it sort of like unfolds in front of you, but each time you're taking steps towards something, whether it's conscious, it's a goal you're going after, or whether it's unconscious which is something's driving you but you're not quite sure what it is mm-hmm. but it's essentially a journey so two two tools that I encourage people to do and I'll explain them here because they'll be able to do them yeah, is the, the first one is a career map is, is really mapping out what has been my career today so if for example you've been working in the world of work for the last 15 years or so what would be a really good thing to do is on a piece of paper is start mapping out what are the different roles I've had. And the slightly different thing that we do with that is we, we, we put the things, uh, we, we draw our line halfway through the page. And then the things that have been positive experiences, we put above the line, so they're positive. And the roles that have been less than positive or negative, we put below the line. Mm-hmm. And we put them in sequential order. And if you do that, like if you start from my first job and I was the office junior and I was running around and helping everyone, but I love the team and everyone looks after me, positive experience. Then I moved into a sales role and it was very heavily um, based on targets and I wasn't getting support and I felt under pressure all the time and I didn't feel that I fitted in very well with this organization. Negative experience mm-hmm. and so on. And you'd, move, you'd, you'd map them out. By doing a career map, you automatically are doing two things that are really valuable. One of them is that you're reflecting where you've been, why you've been there, and what it was good or bad about it. The second thing is you're getting an overall picture of what has been driving me today. What are the different things that are influencing me? And what were the things that made me go from you know my first job to that sales job or from that sales job into a training job or whatever the range of roles might be? What are the things that were actually encouraging me? And again, were they things that were positive as in I could see a benefit for myself and see it moving towards what I wanted? Or was I just reacting to get out of a bad situation? And then I ended up in another one that was maybe not as bad, but also wasn't very positive either. And, and I think with them insights, we can then take stock of, well, how do I want my journey to unfold from here? So once we've got that sort of map, we can really get the insights of, well, how can I be more mindful or more reflective as I go forward? So that's some of how you work out them inner drivers. So the second tool is um, that I encourage people to think about is a career compass, which is one I've developed from another, another framework. And the idea of a compass is it allows you to navigate a journey regardless of where the landscape is. 
But the career compass that I encourage people to build is a values-based compass. So what are my North Star? What are the things that are really important to me that I want to achieve? And then what's the East Point? What are the characteristics I bring to the world of work that I am known for? And they're typically things that you get feedback on. You know, you're a real go-getter and you're, you're really strong at actually pushing your point forward if you've got something to say and so on. So you build this out. And what I found when women have done this is they've got real insight into what their values are. They've done the math, they've got insight into what's been driving them. And then they can say, how can I use my insight to my, from my values and from what I've done now to start building more consciously my journey forward? I love that. I think that's amazing. And to anyone tuning in, I think the resounding message from past guests and other episodes is scheduling time for that reflection and for that planning. Sometimes I think we get so caught up, especially, you know, heading into a new year, we think, oh, what are my goals? What am I wanting to work towards? But I love what you've talked about here is with your map and the compass is thinking more like reflectively of what went well, what did I enjoy? What, how did I feel when I was in these past positions and what do I want to feel going forward? Kind of doing that forward planning with the compass is having those values that drive you in any organization or any role that you're going to be in. And I think that that's so important from that internal perspective to recognize that. And I think more people are starting to have a shift in how they're even approaching their interviews is making sure that that company is a right fit. And it's not, Hey, I'm going to move to this company and hope for the best, right? They're actually diving in a little bit deeper to make sure does this company, does this position, does this team align with those values? But if you haven't defined that, you might feel a little lost or maybe struggle to get to where you're trying to go. Absolutely. And again, I just echo some of what you said there is what we've seen with the pandemic and what we've seen more recently over the over the last year or so is uh, more people leaving the workplace or seriously thinking about leaving the workplace. And we've mm-hmm. talked about it in terms of the great resignation. And what it comes down to is a number of things. One of them is that being able to balance life at home with life in a in, in a company that's making lots of demand for my time. But the other bit of it, without a doubt, is this values part of it, is people are asking deeper questions about what do I want from my life and therefore what do I want from my work and my career. And I think that they were always there, but I think that, that what's happened is it's brought it more to the fore. So exactly what you're saying is true. People are going um, after roles, but they're thinking not just will they, will they want me, they're thinking will I want them? Mm-hmm. You know, will I want to be part of this team or this organisation? Does it feel like it aligns to something internal to me that's important? Yes, definitely. Now, I love what you mentioned with the map and with the compass. Uh, how does that interact with maybe someone? How do they recognize if their current role is serving those values? I think that the biggest thing, and we often don't talk about this very much in the work in the work setting, is how do we feel? Mm-hmm. So emotions are probably the best thermometer to our values and how aligned they are with our circumstances. And we're often 
encourage particularly women to you know not not take too much store by the emotions because we'll be seen as emotional Mm -hmm. if we do that and that emotions are somehow something that actually are unpredictable fuzzy they're not useful in business I I mean you hear that a lot even now I mean it's less so but what I say and I I really talk a lot to to to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, my clients about this is what happens with um values when we're in a situation is if we go into a situation where you know maybe we've interrupted a conversation that's been going on across um two work colleagues or we've walked into a room and somebody's just put the phone down or something we automatically feel whatever was the essence of what was going on even if we never heard a word of what was going on we Mm -hmm. feel the essence of it and that happens with our values. So, so what, what, what our values are, are these little, they're not little really, uh, these markers of our soul that says, this is the way I want to see the world, be in the world, live in this world, enjoy this world. But they're the sort of, they're the things that say, this is, this is what will make this experience of this life meaningful to me, is the, these, these, these values. So what happens with our emotions is if we're in a situation where maybe we've got a boss who's supportive, but every now and again, particularly when they're in or under pressure, they just have a dig at us. Or in meetings, they're playful about things, but they're playful in a way that's undermining us in some way or just diminishing us in some way. What happens is that we have a little emotional response to it. And usually that emotional response, if it's if things aren't aligned to our value, constriction or or we feel sad or we feel upset. So I I say that the emotion is a really helpful thing to key into. But here's the thing that's important about it. I'm not saying we give into the emotion. So if mm. we feel upset or we feel angry or whatever it is, we don't just express that. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful either. But by keying in and understanding the emotion, you can think something about this situation does not feel okay to me. And we just acknowledge it quietly to ourselves and then think, I'm going to I'm going to take myself out of the situation and just think about what it is about this that maybe isn't feeling right to me. And just taking that time out, whether you can do it immediately or after the meeting or whatever the event is, mm-hmm. and then just thinking, why why did that feel hurtful or sad or upsetting or you know what was the emotion why did that feel like that to me and that quietly checking in with your emotions can bring huge insight into because either they undermined me or I didn't feel valued or they're constantly putting me down so that somebody else you know is 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 made up to be better than me you'll start to recognize what their issues are I absolutely love that I I think that that makes such a transition. And for someone who is tuning in and thinking, well, I react to a lot of my emotions. I used to be that way too. And it took some time and reflection to grow. And I think there's growth opportunity for everyone tuning in. That means you're searching for opportunities to better yourself, which I think is always in a great position. But I loved what you said and how you explained it so eloquently, Mary, is is feeling those emotions, checking in with those emotions and not immediately reacting onto those emotions. I think that shows such high emotional intelligence, which so many more studies are coming out saying that that is 
more important than someone who has a higher IQ is this higher EQ. And that is a great opportunity in these different meetings that you're having is thinking, oh, I didn't really like how my manager said that. Or when he was talking to women, he said it this way. It reminded me of an instance randomly on Survivor. I'm a big Survivor fan, but the host was saying how he would would often say, come on guys, uh, as a reference for everyone. But people were saying that that might not come off as inclusive. And for part of his own growth, he said he's going to start working on, on that as well as he connected more easily with the men on the shows and had a harder time connecting with some of the women. And so having those recognitions again of, of that own growth and in such a public way, I think is really, really impactful. But I love what you are saying of having that awareness and then thinking about, Hey, how do I start having these conversations? And something that has been helpful for me in the efforts of trying to assume the best in others is saying, Hey, in this meeting, uh, you mentioned this about my performance and you were saying some good things. And then you kind of did a little bit of a dig at me. Did you intend to hurt my feelings by saying that? right? Mm -hmm. Because they probably didn't. And even that Mm -hmm. thought of asking them, did you intend to hurt me by saying that? Or did you intend to make me look like I'm less than to these other team members when I'm actually performing really well? Can you explain why you said that after saying such nice things about me and getting some further understanding so that you can help set some of those boundaries of, Hey, that wasn't okay. And in the process of building those relationships, I know for me, I've, I've built those relationships so that I could go to other leaders and say, Hey, I I think we could have made, here's some feedback if you're open to it and giving them some advice on maybe how to handle it in a way that's more supportive, especially to women in the workforce. Yeah. Oh, I know that's wonderful. Wonderful. I, I, you did yeah, you used some really powerful words there. One of the ones when you were given the feedback was, did you intend to? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful. A, a model I encourage people to use, which actually pretty much follows the steps you've just done, is uh, it's called the ARC model for feedback. Okay. So the ARC model stands for A for action. What was it that they did? So it, we had a great meeting, but at the end of the meeting, you just made this throwaway comment towards me. Reaction. I actually felt quite hurt about that because it, it felt like you were having a go at me. Mm-hmm. Consequence, the thing is, and as a result of you saying that, it looked to other people like I was a weaker performer than they were. Was that what you intended? And I think that's mm-hmm. a really powerful way of doing that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, if someone is trying to get ready for that next role, they have, maybe they've done some of these steps of having reflections and they say, okay, I want growth in this way, which means maybe moving to a different team. Maybe it means preparing for a different company. How can someone set their intentions to prepare for that next role? Mm, Yeah. Um, I think that they, I love that word intention it's a really really powerful one so I think the first thing is is to be really honest about is the is the next role that I'm focusing on 
the right role for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard for us to be honest with ourselves about whether it's the right role because we're chasing it because it's the next level up and it's expected, or obviously it's better pay and we want we need more we need more money, or we feel like it's expected of us either you know by people immediately in work or or people outside of our outside of our work in our home and family situation. So if it feels like it's externally driven then I think it's the t- that's the time to sit down and think, well, what is it that I want? Because yes. sometimes we can be forced into going after us because we feel we should go after them. And that makes usually for an unhappy combination because we're doing something that actually other people are expecting for us. And then when we're in it, we don't find it very fulfilling because it really wasn't something that we were driven to do. So being really clear about, is this what I want? Then the next thing about it is, thinking about it and 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 again you've said you've you've just given a, a lovely range of things it could be a range of ways that next role comes in it could be you know a a, a similar level role but in a different department or a different organization so you're getting exposed to new markets new people new teams whatever it might be or it might be the next level up in your own organization so you're trying you're wanting to get promotion to to, to that higher level um, or it might be that you're actually thinking about doing more of an entrepreneurial type of step and you're actually wanting to move into into a role that is more um, self-driven in terms of your employment. Could be a whole range of things. But the first thing to do is to think is to start thinking about what what will I be like in this role? And there's various ways we can do that. Some of that is when we think whatever the whatever the role is we're thinking about, you start writing down what I believe this role is about. So some of it might be from the job description of the role you're applying for. You can think, okay, I've got the job description. Let me look at that. But then beyond what they're saying in the job description, what do I think this is going to be like in terms of who am I going to be working with? Who am I going to be working to in terms of a, in terms of a manager? Who am I going to be having working and reporting to me? And then how am I going to feel about them responsibilities and that ecosystem of relationships that I have to work in? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fundamental to the role. And then it's the actual role itself is what are the types of tasks and responsibilities that I'm going to be asked to do? And are these things that I find exciting and motivating? Or again, you know, that checking in with the emotions or do I feel that I'm constricted in some way do I feel actually a constriction in my chest when mm-hmm. I think about them constrictions in our chest is usually a sign of stress or uncertainty about something so it's good to actually observe that going on if we actually are looking at it and we think yep right job right people right organization I'm ready to go then it starts then it's about getting your 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 mind in the right place for that job so you have to start acting and and um, thinking and doing as if you are already in the role, which means usually, especially if it's a, a one step up from your current role, is stepping into areas of responsibility that you haven't currently done because they've not been part of your role. But you think, yes. actually, if I show, you know, I'm more willing mm-hmm. to take on this role or these additional responsibilities or help solve some problems which are not my problems on my part, but I can see that for the big for the team they help. Starting to lean into these larger responsibilities and having a bigger impact on the team is critical for you to then more smoothly step into the role that you're going after. Yes, I think that's great because I think you hit on something that people don't often prepare for is that how can I take on some of that responsibility 
before I'm actually in that role. And that's why I think internal companies have such a great opportunity for growth because they already know you're a culture fit. You already know the information, you know, the company uh, information, you don't have to go through training again, maybe a little bit of more intense training or different type, but you don't have to go from the beginning and building that foundation. So I think internally you have such a leg up for these other opportunities because it's easy to train to something than it is to find someone externally who is a culture fit, who is going to learn that information, who maybe has similar experience, but I think internally you can have such a better impact or better opportunity for these roles. And I tell my team for my day job that all the time I say, let's get you networking with these other departments. What other teams are you interested in? Because it's a very complex organization and you've already been here for years. Let's figure out what other departments you might want to transition into showing that excitement and interest in the beginning, learning their different processes. What things could you start taking on so that when there is a job posting, you could reach out and it's not someone out of the blue, which I've certainly had before. And I've had people very upset when they weren't chosen as, you know, a team leader when I didn't even know who they were when the job posting became available. But these opportunities when you say, Hey, I've been working with so-and-so every month and I've been taking on these different things and All of that helps stack you up against someone else externally who is more of a risk, but maybe they have more experience, but you have that internal experience, which I think you hit on so perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you've, you've used another magic word there, which is networking. You know, we, we, we can't be passive in our career. Well, we can, but if we want to get, (laughs) we want to get on, we can't be passive in our career. And that means actually going out there, finding out what's going on in different parts of either your sector or your organization or, 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 your, or your community and, and opening up conversations. What are you doing? I'd love to tell you what I'm doing. I'm really interested mm-hmm. in the work you do. Just opening up them conversations with as many people as possible so people know you and understand you and have an idea of what you do well before you put in an application for a new role. Yes, exactly. I think that is where people miss out when they are. And I do it in my job, but I'm a leader. I've coached people to this all the time. I still fall into those same patterns of the past. So no one is exempt from this speaking from my own experience that I think of, Oh, I forgot to set better expectations, or I forgot to have these conversations more proactively before talking about raises or, you know, all those things. Like it happens to me as someone who's living this in the day-to-day in my day job. So it happens. I totally get that. But setting reminders or whatever that looks like for you to help be proactive. How can you be proactive in your career and not solely be reactive? Because I think I did that for, you know, a little bit of time, just kind of went with the flow of things and things were okay for a while, but it wasn't until I said, I am going to become at that company. It was that next step was becoming a team leader. And that was what I set my hopes out for. That's what I started making intentions for. That's what I started networking and volunteering for and taking on those responsibilities. And 
when I got promoted, I was only there for two years. It was one of the shortest tenures that they had promoted in a very long time. And I was up against someone who had been there for 10 years and, and my manager chose me. And it was because I was doing all those active things. I wasn't saying, Hey, I put in the time and I'm not really being a go-getter, but I've put in the time. So it should be me. That was not how I operated and and kind of broke down some walls there for that company, which, which felt like something that I needed to do. Yes. I mean, fantastic, fantastic experience and a fantastic example to your your female listeners about what you need to do yeah it starts with your intention and then you actually take the steps towards what you want to achieve by being Mm -hmm. very clear about who you need to speak to and what you need them to know about you and what you need to know about them a really really good example yeah and I think what you said as well is thinking about those next roles and what growth looks like so often we think of that as climbing the corporate ladder right but Growth can happen. So much growth can happen in your current role of how you can be a huge impact, uh, especially if you work at some sort of startup environment or in any environment of change. I think there are so many opportunities to be seen as a leader amongst your peers, owning different processes or procedures or initiatives uh, within your current role. If you really love what you're doing, I think that's great. And there's nothing wrong with not growing upwards, you can still grow so much as an individual within that role. And then, Hey, if you feel like that growth is no longer coming to you and there aren't opportunities, finding another company that has a similar type of role, maybe it's slightly higher pay. That's always nice. And then learning new things and having new challenges, I think is so great. I, I love being challenged. Some people like sticking with what's more familiar and, you know, you see those with the people who've been at their company for 20 years that's great as well, as long as that's what you want and that's what you feel comfortable with. I think that's helpful to, to share as well, because there have been times where I thought, oh, this is my natural progression. I have to move into this next role. But then I started thinking, I don't really like what that manager is doing. I actually don't want that title. I like this type of an environment and this is what I'm doing. And if I'm not able to do these things because I'm stuck in thinking much higher up, I would thought, well, actually upward progression is not what is going to look like success for me. Yeah. And I I think it's really good to be clear about that because you're you're right. Is our growth doesn't have to be tied to this idea of successive promotions in a career ladder. There's lots of ways we can grow and develop and find real fulfillment. And that can be in all sorts of ways by, you know, looking at uh, not only what we do in our central role, but other things we can do alongside that that make it more interesting for us or contribute, you know, to the greater support of of the teams or even outside of that. So it might be that there's there's a balance between what I do at work, which I enjoy, but also some work I do for my community mm-hmm. or for other other groups of people that also is meaningful to me so there's lots of ways we can find that growth and fulfillment exactly so what if someone reached out and said you know I feel like I'm ready to grow into a higher role but maybe I'm not the best performer on my team but yeah I feel like this might be a better fit how does someone prepare for that if they might not be a top performer on their team. Mm. 
brilliant. Um, what I would say, first of all, is it, I think it depends on what they're not a top performer in. So what we know is some of the best sports coaches and soccer managers and, and of, of guides and mentors, often the, the ones who excel are not the ones who are at the top of the team. They're the ones who've been in the midst of it, really got to understand how things operate and then spent time thinking about how to make it work better, as opposed to it, them only focusing on their performance. Mm -hmm. So there's this interesting um, conundrum there. It's almost, uh, what do they call it? Counter, it's counterintuitive that sometimes the ones who are top performers in the team from a specialism point of view mm -hmm. don't always make the best leaders of them types of teams. So sales would be a particularly good example. So sales teams, yes. where you've got the top performers in sales, they excel going after the going after the target, managing their sales funnel, um, closing the deals, and keeping that funnel going. So they're very very good at that because they're very focused on that target. That's brilliant, and that's what we want them to do in an organisation that's based around sales. Mm -hmm. But the people who are in that sales team who maybe aren't as they're good, but they're not exceptional at the sales um, in quite the same way, may be much much better at being the glue in the team to make sure that people understand how to work together, how to align goals, how to put together maybe joint um, um, joint offers into the market so they get different clients working together. Mm -hmm. There might be all sorts of things that they can do that somebody who's just focused on the top performance doesn't do. And I think organisations generally are good at understanding that. There are some, there are some examples where they don't and they mm -hmm. put the people who are seen as the go-getters of a particular discipline i've used sales but it could be technical skills and it can be it can be marketing skills it can be people skills it can be all sorts of areas where you've got a range of people who are who are, who are in the performance but often the people who are just below the top performance so very very good performers themselves but they're not quite there but actually show more understanding of the way things work tend to make the better managers and leaders and we know that the other thing and I think again organizations are getting better at this but sometimes they need reminding is when people are going into the next level role especially a wider leadership role they can't rely on their their technical abilities to do that job well. Their technical abilities can only get them so far, but to get to that next level and perform well at that next level, it's a different set of skills. Mm -hmm. And we often start find that if people are too too technical in their skills and you know they they don't seem to be the high performers of the team, they don't make that transition well to becoming a people manager and actually looking after a range of people even mm -hmm. people who have the same technical skills as them they often are people who want to do it themselves and tend to be poor at delegating because they have the perfectionist syndrome going on and they want to control it all themselves yes yeah I think that's important because I think that's an important message for women especially because oftentimes we think if we're not performing at our absolute best then we can't be eligible for these other roles and we essentially self-select ourselves out. We yeah. end up saying, oh, we're not good enough and we don't apply for those different roles. Sometimes it has taken male leaders and male mentors of mine to say, hey, you should go after this anyway. Or I would say, 
no, I, I haven't been here long enough, or I haven't done this long enough or whatever excuse it was. I had other male mentors say, well, I'm going for it. And I have been struggling in this area, or I'm not performing extremely well in these areas. And that was helpful for me to see my male counterparts doing that as well. And I think a good message out there is, is for you to always go out there and apply for those things that you're most interested in. Of course, having some self-awareness, if you're in entry level, you've been there for six months, probably not an ideal time to apply for a director level role. If you haven't had prior experience, but what does that next role look like so that you can start showing that interest in getting prepared, getting familiar with the process itself and, uh, and starting to set your intentions, like you had said, Mary is, is looking for how we can prepare for those future roles. And I absolutely love what you said that not all of these sports leaders have been the top athletes in their arenas. They are someone who have thought as a bigger whole, which I think is why we need more female leaders in this entire world, because I think more often we're thinking of how, how do we succeed as a whole? How can I help others succeed? And sometimes that means my stats may not look always, may not always look the best because I'm also helping out other team members. And how can I explain that when my numbers look a little different? So if someone's only looking at numbers, I may not be number one, but I'm number two or three, and I'm helping these other people rise as well. But that's not able to be seen by simply looking at data. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's a couple of things I'd add to that in terms of other mm-hmm. things for people to bear in mind. Um, the one of them is that the idea of I have to be perfect at everything before I can apply for the job. Women particularly are susceptible to this idea. Men are as well, but generally women definitely will only apply for a job if they feel that they can do at least 90% of it. Mm-hmm. And man will apply for a job even if he feels he can only do 50% of it. And it's like, and, and it's interesting you mentioned there some, some male um, allies and mentors that actually encouraged you because they were thinking, we can see you doing this job and you're probably thinking, no, I can only do, you know, mm-hmm. 85%. I can't, but they can, they can see it in terms of the wider picture. So if, if, somebody's applying for a job and they and they they're carrying with them that view of I can only do whatever it is 80 percent of the job and I'm not the highest performer in the team Mm -hmm. I always say that that what the mindset shift you need to make in the in the application process and in the interview is not about what you can't do but it's really focusing on what you what you do and what you do really well and what of the particular skills you bring you think will be really valuable for this particular role so mm-hmm. it's matching your skills very explicitly in the interview so you now if you've ever had an interview where they're saying but it doesn't look like you've done this area or that area is acknowledge it if you haven't yep i haven't mm-hmm. but let me tell you about the things i have done and how i think these are relevant for what i'm going to now so women really struggle because the first thing they'll do for this is but you haven't done that is oh no I haven't, I haven't done that no no I haven't it's like mm-hmm. you don't stop there it's like no but let me tell you what I have done uh, so bringing in the positives and really pushing them positives forward the the, the second bit I'd add to that is mm-hmm. if somebody goes for a role and they don't get the role I always say that's never a bad thing 
might be that, you know, it was never meant for you or you weren't quite ready for the role. But by applying for a role, particularly in an organisation when you're not successful, you have given them a very strong signal that you feel you're ready for that next move and you're wanting to get to that next level and you're wanting them to take you seriously. So never see it as a bad thing if you don't get the role first time round because you signal very strongly your intent and your ambition. And I think that's always a positive thing. Yes, I agree with that. And I share in my story that when I was trying to promote to that team leader position in my first promotion was I was turned down at least six times. It's been so long now. I can't quite remember. I didn't write that down, thankfully, as far as all those failures, but I took several interviews and to find the right match of a manager as well. That can be hard as saying, oh, well, this person has an opening on their team, but would I be a good fit for them as their team leader? Because you spend so much time with your coworkers, maybe not so much in these virtual worlds, but especially if you're on site, you spend so much time. That relationship has to have a certain type of chemistry as well, because if you don't have that, then you're going to be miserable. So Mm. thinking of that as well and, and recognizing there were times when I didn't apply because there were, there was a manager who I knew I wouldn't be a good fit for based on hearing previous experiences and seeing what I had perceived and recognizing, okay, that's a bummer that there's an opportunity and I'm, I can't apply for it, or I am choosing not to, because I know that's not going to be the best career move for myself. I wanted someone who would empower me to be the best leader and, and help me to develop further. And I ended up finding that there, which was amazing, but it took several different interviews and, and even trying out for some different departments for training uh, as well and getting turned down there and continuing going, getting that feedback and saying, okay, I'll take the feedback that I think is helpful. Feedback that was not was perceptions that weren't true. So I had to kind of work through that emotionally and think, okay, that's not who I am, but I can adjust my perception by doing these things and continue to move forward. And that's what ended up helping me to get promoted into that role. Yeah. Oh, fabulous. I mean, I'll, feedback you mentioned there mm-hmm. I always I, I talk about it in the book as well feedback I encourage people to see a bit like a, a gift mm-hmm. so when somebody gives you a gift at a wedding or a birthday party you often don't open it there sometimes you do mm-hmm. and if you do and it's not something you want you just think oh okay thanks very much and then you put it aside and then when you're at home and with your gift on your own you can decide hmm, is that useful to me or not? And if it's not useful, let me let it go. And if it is useful, that's great. Let me go back to the person who's given it to me and say, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And if we treat feedback in a similar way, it, it's very useful. So we do need a bit of a filter because sometimes, as you say, feedback is, is driven by as much about where the giver is. And if they've got issues and things, then their filter is not going to be a helpful one that they've used to give you feedback. And we, we need to then assess that in the way that we do when we get gifts as we, uh, as we do. And then the, I, I love the, what you've, you've shared is two things that are really, really essential for any success in life, but particularly in a career, particularly as a woman who wants to get ahead in a career. One of them is resilience. I mean, you've just, described a huge amount of resilience that you had in getting the knockbacks but going again getting another knockback but going again getting you know and that resilience is 
resiliency is not um, about not getting knockbacks. We all have them. We all have challenges. We all have setbacks. Resiliency is accepting it was a setback and then saying, okay, I'm coming back again. What shall I do differently? And then the second part of that, which clearly is part of your character's determination. Mm-hmm. You know, if we've set an intention, just because we've set it in our mind and we want to achieve it doesn't mean it's going to happen. We have to be fairly determined. And that means putting ourselves out there. It means taking steps every day towards our goal. It means accepting that everyone will be behind us with that goal, but still be determined to go for it anyway. And I think that they're two really key ingredients to any success. So I think you described that beautifully in your, in your experience. I love what you're saying about your your interpretation of feedback as a gift in that way of receiving it. And sometimes, you know, you get a gift that sometimes it's feedback you've already received and you're going to shelf that because it's not useful to you right now. And I use a similar kind of analogy as uh, feedback when it's given to you is also not always the most beautiful thing ever. I say sometimes it's sometimes it's wrapped beautifully and has the bow and has the matching all the beautiful things. Right. And you don't even want to open it because it looks so beautiful. Sometimes feedback is crafted so well and it's presented in a way that is warm and kind. And you can tell it's coming from such a good place. They put so much thought into that, but other times, you know, it might not even be wrapped at all. They just, Hey, here's, here's this gift, or maybe it's wrapped in, in maybe it's like sometimes like me and my, if I'm giving a gift to a sibling or something and haven't had time to wrap it, I throw it in like a grocery sack, something that's really not beautiful at all, but maybe the, the feedback itself is really helpful, but the delivery as in me putting it in that sack was not as great. And so I love what you're saying is certainly sitting on that finding ways that you think could be helpful for you and letting go of other things that aren't because uh, there are certainly things that everyone's going to have feedback on everything that we do, but it's up to us to choose how we move forward with that. Is that helpful? It, it, are they in a position where I want to grow into? Am I getting feedback from someone who is a low performer, who doesn't like their job, who is seen as someone who's you know, not very great as far as a culture fit, but they're kind of just sliding by probably don't want to receive feedback from them or guidance from them in that regard as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my last question for you, Mary, is how can someone, let's say they've realized that their values aren't in alignment with the current role that they're in. How do they prepare for that next thing? Then. I think if they, what I, I encourage people to do is do a three-column three list of, of, of um, things. So if they know that their values aren't aligned to where, where, they, where they're in, they maybe need to look at what are the things about the role or the job that they do that they particularly like. So that's putting them down on the list about, I don't know, it might be the team, it might be working with clients, it might be some of the culture, it might be a whole range of things. So putting, putting a whole list down on the first column about what are the things about this job that generally are, are good and I actually like. And mm-hmm. then for, for each one of them is like, what, where can I get more of this experience uh, from so what are the opportunities that exist that I could get more of that and then where are the 
of where, what are the things that are getting in the way? So, so where are the barriers that exist now for me having more of that opportunity? So it might be, you know, I love working with a particular team, but they, I can only work with them on a Monday because that's the only time I've got exposure to that team. And the rest of the week I have to work somewhere else and I don't enjoy it. And it's like, well, why is that? You know, is it a policy decision? Is it the way your boss sees things? Mm-hmm. Uh, but understanding that. So if we understand what it is we like, where we can get more of it, where the barriers are, that gives us a basis to maybe have the right conversations because, you know, working your way to the next position, role, career, whatever it might be, usually has to have some forms of conversations. Mm-hmm. Once you've got clarity about, about that, about the role and, and what you're really looking for, and particularly what you're looking for more, more from, you can start opening up the conversation. So if you've got a good relationship with your boss, that's a great place to start and saying, you know, this just it doesn't feel like it's serving me anymore. There's lots of things I really like about this, but it just doesn't feel like it's serving me anymore. I feel that there's more things that are um, not going my way than are going my way. Can mm-hmm. we fix that? If you haven't got a great relationship with your boss or you, it's not the type of culture where you could open that up, then I'd suggest you go out to find some allies elsewhere that you could start that conversation with about what, what they would recommend you do. Yeah. And people you could think about doing that with, it might be previous bosses in the same organisation. If you know, then previous bosses are people that would hold confidentiality for you and not put you in any compromising positions mm-hmm. that you can actually talk to. It could be previous bosses in other organisations that you have had a good relationship with and you, you could tell them where you are at the moment with this role and what you're not feeling good about and that you're thinking about what you'd like to do and what would they suggest, what would they recommend. And then the other the other thing to maybe do and to think about is to sit down with your loved one and your partner or your mm-hmm. your family and, and look with them about what you wanted to achieve and what as a family you want to achieve. Because sometimes the negotiation needs to be with your partner about, you know, I'm not happy in this role. I know we're relying on it, you know, for the for the for the money, but I, mm-hmm. I think I want to go into other things. Can we talk about what options might be and what might be a smooth path to that that feels comfortable for us? financially and and, in, and lifestyle and patterns of, of care with, with the children if we've got them and also we move towards something so it is recognizing it by doing the list and then starting the conversations with the right people yes I think that is such a great path and and so many options I love that I often tell the people who I coach and the people who tune into the podcast hey, I'm here to give you options and then you choose how you go forward. I'm not big on shaming people for, hey, if you've done this, then that's not good or you have to do this or you're not great and and all those things. I, I feel for women, me personally, I don't think that's helpful. I don't want anyone to feel shame for acting or inaction. I want to simply say, Hey, we're, I'm here as a forum for advice and things that have helped me. Some things that have helped other people wouldn't have worked for me. So I love bringing on different guests and, and similar like you having so many options of, Hey, consider having the map, you know, having a reflection of your career, consider, right having your compass and and what that means for your values and then what you said here of kind of breaking it down into those different columns of 
what's going well, what's not going well, where are the barriers, how can you find those allies in the workplace or outside of the workplace to help you grow into whatever direction that you're wanting. So I thank you so much for coming on here today, Mary. It's been such a great conversation. I think we are one and the same uh, and I love that. So uh, I very much vibe with everything that you've shared. So please tell us where people can find your book, The Female Edge, and where people can connect with you as well. Amazon. And that that book will have lots of the tools and techniques that we've talked about in this interview in that. So um, that's available on Amazon. And people can find me on my main coaching website, which is, uh, and it's a long one, findyourjoyfullife.com. So it looks long when you're writing it down, but it's a sentence. Find your joyful life. Dot com and then there's also a page in there the female edge page and inside that there's the two tools we've talked about here that you can actually download just straight from the website the the career map and the career compass so if people wanted to try them out and do them tools they can just go to the website don't need to sign up or anything to just try them tools out okay great i will certainly link those in the show notes it was such a pleasure speaking with you today mary and i hope you have a great rest of your evening Yes, thank you. And you, Nicole, all the very best. And um, thank you for having me on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. What a great conversation with Mary. She has a heart of gold and I could feel her energy and compassion through our whole conversation. And I know she is just as passionate as I am about helping women to stand out in the workplace. So I have no doubt that something throughout this episode was helpful or impactful for you. I really appreciate my conversations with all of my different guests where you can see how you take these small steps in the right direction and that can make such a difference in your career. So I hope you take the advice from Mary and her guidance to help you continue to grow and succeed within your career. Don't forget to check out Mary's content and how you can find everything that she provides through the links that I have in today's show notes. All right, until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Next Level Leaders. If today's episode resonated with you, I would love for you to check out my career journal that I created that has over a hundred unique prompts to help you take action and work towards getting that promotion in your career, helping you feel more confident, improving your self-awareness, increasing that communication, expanding your growth mindset, and helping you to proactively network. This is action-oriented and will have space for you to write in the journal itself of what you're working on, what progress you're making. I know it can be so helpful to any woman in the workplace who wants to grow in their current role, even if you're not getting promoted, but it certainly will help you be more prepared for those growth opportunities in your life. I would love for you to check it out. The link is in the show notes and you can also find it over on my website, www.nicoleharrop.com. 